1: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
0: Welcome to Lighthouse Lookback. My name is Noel Fogelman. Be sure to subscribe to the Lighthouse Hockey Channel on iTunes and wherever podcasts are found. Lighthouse Lookback is a podcast where we catch up with former Islanders whether they have played one game or hundreds with the team. Marty McGinnis was drafted in the eighth round for the 1988 NHL Draft. McGinnis played three seasons at Boston College before joining the U.S. Olympic team in 1992. The forward led the team in scoring with seven points as the U.S. finished fourth in the tournament. Marty joined the Islanders following the Olympics and finished with eight points in 15 games. The following season saw the emergence of the Kid line featuring McGinnis, Travis Green and Brad Delgarno. Unfortunately, a broken kneecap caused Marty to miss the end of the regular season and most of the magical run to the Wales Conference Finals. The Massachusetts State played four more seasons on the island before getting traded to the Calgary Flames. He finished his career with his hometown, Boston Bruins, in 2003. Marty feels a mean on what he's up to these days. From hockey perspective, I'm, um, I've been a volunteer assistant coach at Boston College probably I think for the last six or seven years now, I
1: can't remember which, but um been doing that for a while, Coach York, uh, who actually just got inducted to the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame, has been great to me, uh, which is nice. Um, I, I didn't play for Coach York, I played for Coach Grosky, but uh, I have a son that's a senior there now, so the last four years have been great hanging with him, but then on a, on a daily basis, I've been, I've been working in commercial real estate with a um, company actually headquartered down in New York called Westbrook Partners, so I've been doing that for about seven years as well, so uh, that's pretty good, and then I have a younger son that's playing out in Vancouver, he's in the British Columbia Hockey League, out with uh, Victoria Grizzlies, and uh, here we go to the Northeastern, so um, all good.
0: The Northeastern, how, how'd that happen? Why didn't you go to BC? <laughs>
1: I know he's a trader. he's a traitor, that one. <laughs> Yeah. But uh he's doing well in Northeastern, like him from an early age and early on and uh I always told him go where they love you and uh, So he's excited, I'm excited for
0: him. Right. And you know you you're you know, a major star at B C. Is it like hard for your son to kind of like, you know I wouldn't say live up to your, you know your you know, you know your legacy but you know, yeah
1: I'm a forward. We don't make a big deal about you know, hockey is obviously a huge part of our lives, right. we don't make a big deal about it, and he's having a great time, and the team's doing very well, so, um, you know, at the end of the day, everybody ends up in the men's league, So, something's happening earlier, <laughs> sooner, or, you know, when you're at 40, or when you're 18, but uh, he's doing well, he's a senior, and his team's good, so hopefully they can keep him going.
0: Right. Now, with you with coaching, was this something that you kind of saw yourself doing after you retired?
1: Not really. And and like I said, I'm kind of a I'm a volunteer right. assistant so when I was a Boston College for a together there as well. Um, I talk about hockey, we talk about after hockey, we talk about, you know, the NHL and guys starting pro and a whole different stuff. You know, I don't have anything to do with, you know, how they make up the lines or how they did recruiting or anything like that. I'm more of it's another you know, another ear for the guest to bounce or some somebody bounce something off of the kid, so Hopefully they get it out of
0: it. It keeps me young, so I enjoy mm-hmm. it. Right. So h- how do you balance your full time job with with the volunteer coaching? It's it's not easy. That's
1: why <laughs> Coach York is really good. When I can get there, I can get there, which is great. I mean, I, I'm able to go to the you know the games themselves.
0: Practice is always difficult, but um, coach is great. Right. Now with with your career, you know you are starting in BC and then you go to the Olympics with the Olympic team for a year, uh, then. You led the Olympics in scoring. I mean, that I remember that '92 team was great. You guys had a you know a great run, finished fourth. Uh, you know, a couple you know Scott Gordon's backup goalie, former Islander, uh, head coach. Uh, a couple of your teammates were on the team. Uh, a couple of NHLers. Uh, what was that experience like playing in the Olympics? Uh, that was stressful.
1: That was back <laughs> in the day where it, they had the pros, but they didn't have the really NHL guys. Right. The NHL didn't take a break. For the Olympics, but they had you know. A group of really good minor league guys that that came in later on and played. Yeah, I mean, it was a year where you got you got a lot better. You lived out of two bags. You played. You know, I think we ended up playing like seventy games or something. So that was kind of like my year in the minors. And we played NHL teams, an AHL team, a couple college teams. Uh, you know, with the idea of kind of getting to the Olympics and doing well. And we actually did well. We had a golden like that played phenomenal. But yeah. Scott got chances
0: on the team, too, so we right. went from there to, uh, to New York together, too, so that was uh, pretty nice. Yeah, Keith Kachuk, I mean, Scott, I mean, there was a ton of, you know, NHL talent, and Brett to a lot of guys, Drew Reed, Donato, uh, so after the Olympics ended, you started with the Islanders, and immediately, you're in the lineup, I mean, that had to be, like, a world win, I mean, how did you handle all that, especially emotionally?
1: You know, at that age, you're 21 years old, you just kind of do it. you just kind of used to it. I was traveling around a uh, with the Olympic team. Um, after the Olympics games, I came home to Boston. I actually passed with BC for a week, signed in New York. And then the next thing I was playing against, you know, Montreal in my first game in New York at the Coliseum. So it was crazy. But it's, uh, you know, it's it, it
0: hockey. It's awesome. Right. Yeah. So, uh, Exactly. You you think about it when you're not playing, but when you gotta play, you just you just do it, right? The emotions, you know. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> you just keep playing, today. I was lucky. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and, and you you know you, you played pretty well when you when you you came up. You I think you, you know four points your first four games. You finished, I think with, I think thirteen points your, your first year. You know the, those couple games, but uh, going right into you know, basically playing for a Hall of Fame coach in Al Arbor. What was that experience like with Al? Al Al, Al
1: was one of my favorites. He. uh... He was great. i super fortunate to get a chance to kind of um, play for him, you know, really kind of my first two years. Uh, I wish he kept going. He was great. But um, nice to, you know, the fact that he won the four Stanley Cup, the fact that Petrachi had bossy, and he coached all those guys before the wealth and that he had. Um, just an awesome guy, awesome coach. And uh, he'd like to have a good time, too, on the back, mm-hmm. which, was, uh, which was great.
0: Right. Do you have any uh, funny Al stories to share? Uh,
1: not so much. He'd give you a hard time. He called me, uh, you know, he had had some nicknames and some other stuff for guys that were great. They're probably inappropriate now, but at the time, he loved it. Right. And, uh, you know, nothing, probably nothing too specific about Al, but, uh, he was one of my favorite coaches, that's for sure. Right. And just,
0: you know, going back a few years when you were drafted, you know, back in 88, um, how, like, nerve-wracking was that, like, you drafted in the eighth round? Like, just the waiting and anticipating. And, you know, back then, there was no social media. You know, you wasn't NHL Network or anything like that. So, h- how nerve-wracking was that to, you know, finally get the call from the Islanders? I, I, I wasn't that nervous
1: about it. I wasn't sure I was going to get drafted. I thought I had a chance to get drafted. It wasn't like I was a 1st round or anything like that. So, I mean, they don't even have eight rounds now. I think they only have seven, seven yeah. rounds now. So, um, you know, I... Rick Green was like the local New England scout to the Islanders, so I used to talk to him. Jim Madigan scout to the Islanders too, I think, at the time. He was a coach over at Northeastern now. So, um, you know, I, I don't even remember where I was when I get a phone call. Um, obviously, no cell phone. <laughs> so they probably called a house phone. Right. But, um, you know, I was an eight-sound pick. I was just, yeah, you know, I thought it was cool to get drafted. Yeah. I didn't really think about the NHL until probably the Olympics and stuff like that.
0: Right. Now with with the Olympics, you know the NHLers went there a couple of years after you did, and you know they, they were there for you know a few Olympics. Now they went back, unfortunately, last year to the I guess amateurs, so to speak. Not everywhere in the, in the world, but pretty much America again. Uh, the Olympics coming up in two years. I guess the NHL is still undecided. What's what's your take on that? You think the approach? playing
1: in the Olympics? I mean, I, I love watching the NHL guys play. Um, I understand kind of both sides of both arguments that these guys are making a lot of money playing for their team. They already get hurt doing the Olympics or doing something like that and they have five years left on the deal. I, I completely understand that and get that. Um, I think about the amateurs playing and the opportunity that he gave me but also at the same time I just think it's unbelievable hockey to watch all those guys on the same team and playing for their country and the level
0: of hockey and the, you know, the visibility that it gives hockey, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, you know, it, it kind of brings the focus to hockey, and it's, unfortunately, you know, it's, that's like one of the biggest things of the winter winter sports, of the Olympics, and then you, you figure you want to kind of capitalize on that, and, you know, fortunately, the league doesn't seem to get that right now.
1: Yeah, and, and again, I, I can see kind of both ways on it. Like, I, I understand a lot of the Players Association may have some reservations about it, um, but I still, if you know, if you ask the guys what they like to play for their country, I mean, God, you know, but it's 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 big business now, and
0: I get it. Right. Yeah. No. Back to your you know playing days with the Islanders, the your first full season, you know, 92-93, that was super magical. You kind of got a little chemistry going with Travis Green and Brad Delgarno, the, the, the kid line that everyone called it. Uh, how easy was it to kind of settle into w- with those guys and, you know, get the chemistry going? Well,
1: uh, Green and Brad just playing with those guys were great. Um, you know, it was still the NHL. Nothing was really easy for me at that time, you know, 24 and 22 years old. Um, so I was still learning, it, still trying to find my way and figure it out. But uh, playing with those guys, like my years, right around my age, um, we did, we did have good chemistry. Uh, Greeny did a lot of the work playing center, and Brad did a lot of the work doing all the forechecking and stuff like that. So it was great to play with for the year.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, you kind of had a really you know serious injury, and fracturing your kneecap towards the end of the year, um, and you know missing what you know you was know, I guess towards the end of the regular season most of the playoffs so that would be kind of frustrating being a spectator kind of watching that magical run
1: so disappointing yeah so disappointing and we had such a great run too in the playoffs i think i made it back for games three four and five against montreal Montreal. but um that was it was an awesome time to you know try to be avid and just watch the games um you know, Mon- you know, playing against Washington, you know, the game that Hunter hit Turgeon, or Ray Ferraro scored a bunch of goals, and Glenn Healy was phenomenal in that. Derek King Steve Thomas, Pat Spry, those guys were, they were just awesome. And it was a uh, great time to watch, great time to be a fan. Even though I was sitting in the stands, I was dying to play, but at the same time, it, you know, part of part of what you deal with.
0: Right, and I'm sure you wanted to just you know jump on the ice when Hunter cheap at Turgeon.
1: It kills you. It kill. It kills you. You know. Never mind that. And you know, I remember Rich peel had taken a line of him from the cheap seats, trying to get him. But right. uh, it was uh, that was incredible. Different <laughs> times. That's for
0: sure. Yeah, that's for sure. The team. The team rallied around and um, you upset Pittsburgh and just seemed to run out of gas against Montreal. Um, but David
1: what, David Wall at Game Seven overtime. Yeah. Yeah. Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh was obviously incredible.
0: Yeah, they're going for the third straight cup and just. You know Glenn Healy was unbelievable. Everyone it was just, you know the 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 rush the rookie Russian defenseman you know Malakoff and Kasparitis It was just you know, yep. it was a real magical time. Um, and he, even the Montreal series, I know it was in five, but there were a lot of overtime games in that series too. I think it
1: might have been three or four overtime games that we lost. Yeah. Um, so you know that's how that's how close it is, and the Montreal goes on to beat L.A. in the final yeah, um, I know. Uh, they had a great team, but it's, uh, it's funny when you're young and you get that far. You think, "Oh, it's going to be great. We're going to do this a lot." And it's uh, it's a difficult thing to do.
0: Yeah, and then next year happens. W- why do you think uh, Don Maloney, who was the GM at the time, kind of broke up that team?
1: I have no idea. Um, you know, I'm sure he had his and I think we caught lightning in a bottle a little bit. That team too; they're really hot in the playoffs. So. Um, I don't know. It's probably, probably
0: a question for Donnie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not sure. Right. You know, it's unfortunate, but you you had your best statistical year. You know, the the, the following year, with twenty five goals and you know fifty six points. you Guys just made the playoffs and you faced the Rangers, who just no offense, just you know wiped the floor with you guys that series. Yeah,
1: they they wiped the floor with a lot of teams that year. You know, <laughs> Yeah, i Leach Messier and those guys. I mean, they were, uh, I think, swept us in four, I believe. And uh, yeah. I don't think they were four really close games either, to tell you the truth. So, no. They were obviously a lot better for us. I don't know the Stanley Cup, so good on them. But, um, I think it's
0: hard, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, Maloney became, uh, unfortunately, Mike Milbury. Um, everyone has a story about Mike Milbury. I can only imagine what yours is.
1: Yeah, Mike, you know, I I get along fine with Mike. I, mean, I still watch him on the NHL network and stuff like that and be sports and on there and stuff. Mike, look, Mike would tell you what he thought. You know what I mean? So, and that's a good thing. You know, you knew where you stood with him and he tell you if you played well and he'd tell you if he thought you stunk. So, as long as you're fine with that, that's fine. It, you know, there's always a story of him keeping up on the ice after a game. And, Pulling up the dictionary and reading definitions for effort and down and back Marty because he had no effort tonight. Um, you know, you, you have all those stories and stuff like that, but say what you want about Mike, Mike wanted to win, and uh, he'd do a lot of things to win, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, now, do you think it was more just Millberry or the kind of like just the ownership and fluctuation? Huh?
1: Um... What do, you, what, what do you mean with Well, I mean, like, you Milbury. know,
0: uh, basically, you know, him changing, you know, going with the youth movement and then trading a lot of the youngsters, bringing in veterans. I mean, this, there would never seem to be, like, one definitive path that Milbury took. I wonder if that was just him or kind of directed from the ownership to once to cut payroll, then maybe then to bring in payroll. It just seemed like there was no consistency.
1: I I have no I have no idea that was above my pay grade at that time. <laughs> right. I was a player and we wanted to play left wing, right wing, center. That's what I was more worried about than anything else. I had Mike as a coach. I had a GM. Um, we had a lot of turnover. Whether it's Lauren Henning, Rick Bonus, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of different coaches at the time. And um, it's funny because looking back on it now, there's a lot of good players that went through just never really could seem to find the chemistry to kind of get over the hump, and whether it's Spano's coming in and <laughs> the craziness that he was going through right. or whatever, but, you know, it's it tough to, uh you kind know, of put your finger on it.
0: Right. Now, um, were you surprised when uh, they traded Pierre Uh A little bit because
1: gear was so good. Yeah. Um, I think he had like 130 points. Obviously, he's one of the best players yeah. in the NHL, first overall pick. Tremendous, you know, great guy as well. Um, but, look, at, I mean, that happens, you know, everybody gets traded. Wayne Gretzky on down. Of course. You know, so it's uh, it, it, it's part of the deal, part of the game, and yeah. you know, uh, you get with it and move on, that's
0: for sure. Right Now, more surprisingly, were you kind of s- disappointed the way the whole Kurt Muller thing kind of went about?
1: In terms of what
0: do you mean? Uh, you know, not wanting, you know, coming, not wanting to play, and then eventually just getting traded. Uh,
1: yeah. I, I mean, that there were so many guys coming through at that time. Whether it's Wendell Clark, whether it's Kirk Muller. Right. Um, look at at, at the time, you know, Kirk has played for some really good teams in the past that had already done it, and uh, wanted wanted to keep doing that. And and I get it. You know, I I, I understand what he was thinking and what he was going through. And, as a player, looking at another player, you never you know, judge somebody, What else, whatever they want to do. I mean, that's fine. But uh, there was a
0: lot going on back in of Right. And you mentioned all those players. And one thing they kind of had in common, along with you for a little while, was the the fisherman jersey. Now, um, yeah. wh- wh- what was your take wearing that jersey? I mean,
1: they throw fish sticks on the ice. <laughs> Especially with we the Madison Square right. Garden and stuff like that. So you catch a lot of heat. Uh, it didn't bother me as much as it bothered everybody else, and then I actually heard last year that it might be like a return to the jersey or something, or some sort of collector's item or something like that. I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I liked it that much, right? But uh, <laughs> you know, we caught a lot of heat for the Bishop jersey, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, there was a couple of years ago they wore it during warm-ups, and now you know the team is selling it in the team store. You know, selling hats. So I'd only imagine it's coming back as a third jersey eventually. If if people want to buy it, they'll, they can make money off it. They'll, they'll wear it. <laughs> <laughs> Not that that well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, w- when were you surprised when you got traded to Calgary? Uh
1: I, a little bit. Is at the trading deadline? Uh I was with White. Deadline, I think, is around. I think it's either three o'clock or four o'clock in the East Coast time.
0: Yeah, four o'clock. And it
1: might have been three thirty, so it was like a half hour past you know, the trading deadline, and then Travis Green gives me a call, Greeny called, there you go to call somebody, I think you used to get traded, I'm like, what do you mean I get traded, we're going to go out to dinner, it's 4.30, 3.30, it's it's the deadline (laughs) on, and, uh, sure enough, I called Joey McMahon, equipment guy at the time, and uh, I got traded, and then talked to my agent, and out to Calgary, which was definitely a shock to my wife, she's a Jersey girl, I'm from Boston, I'm on the East Coast, so, uh, that was certainly different, for me, and I think any time you get traded, the first time, a little shocking uh you get used to it but at the same time that it, uh it's a little different you know it's where you live uh we didn't have any kids at the time i think which was great for us it was a little bit easier for us but uh you know every time we get traded some an opportunity to do something else it's, i get traded for Robert reichel and we had yeah. each other in the
0: airports so saw
1: him in the airport right now which yeah funny, right
0: say? and yet, Robert reichel actually was, was pretty good for the Islanders for a little while playing you know with zigman and I think Brian Smolinski, but when, when you got tra- yeah. when you got traded, did anyone no so no one from the organization reached out to you to let you know? No,
1: I think they did, but I think Greenie found us first. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm sure Miller at some point called me or reached out to me or I talked to him, but uh, Greeny was the one that told me I get traded.
0: Right, and then a year later, which was kind kind of a, a weird situation for you, you, get traded to Chicago, and then only to get traded to Anaheim the same day. Now, how how far apart were those trades?
1: No, they happened like simultaneously, oh, okay. so I didn't even know about Chicago. Oh, okay. I, I, okay. When, I, when I walked off the ice in Calgary, they were like, are you your uh, Rich Pressman assistant coach? And he's like, uh, I'm like, where am I going, Rico? And he's like, uh, I can't tell you. I'm like, where am I going? And he's <laughs> like, well, don't worry, Rico, i to play with one of your friends. But he knew that Tony and Monty and I from Chicago right. were really close friends, and by the time I got into
0: the locker room, I wasn't going to Chicago, I was going to Anaheim. Wow, okay. W- were you excited to go to, to the West Coast? I was, and actually, uh, Travis Green was playing out there. That's right. Uh, he since got traded to Anaheim, so uh
1: moved in with Greeny up there and uh, went back together in
0: Anaheim, so it was great. Yeah, and then how, how important was it for you to finish your career with, in Boston? It was nice. I
1: mean, I'm from Boston. My family's from Boston. Everybody's here in Boston. Sometimes it's hard when you're older to come back and play when, it, when the game's a little harder for you, but uh, it's always great to be home. and. Uh, play in front of all your friends and family and stuff like that. So I was very fortunate, very lucky to have that experience. We actually had two really good teams the two years I was in Boston too, but we wound up losing the Montreal the first, through, first round each time. So Right. It was a little was an
0: upset. Yeah. And then I think, like, Benoit Hogue was on that team, right? Former teammate. Hogue,
1: oh, oh, yep. Hogue oh, was there. Brian Barrage, who I played with in New York on the island. He was in Boston as well. Right. So we lived in the same building, so we commute, commute together every day. It's a,
0: uh, it's great. Uh, that's good. Have Have you um, Have you made it out to any of the Islander alumni weekends yet? I
1: joined McMahon has a golf tournament. The equipment manager Joey uh, does a fundraiser, which is unbelievable. So I've gone out there a couple times. I keep trying to get out for the alumni events. I think they had the '93 team, but I wasn't able to go uh, with work and stuff like that. But, but uh, look, I'm I'm still an Islander fan at the end of the day, and I know they're moving into Belmont, and that'll be. I think that'll be spectacular. I watched them in the playoffs. He they're playing the Coliseum and the place was rocking. So, right. Brought
0: back some good memories. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, that place was rocking. It was also rocking in 93. And, and uh, Marty, this was great. And I really appreciate your time tonight. Uh, no problem. A special thanks to Marty McGinnis for joining me today. Have a guest suggestion? Hit me up on Twitter at the first all one 19 or at LighthouseHockey.com. Be sure to check out all the great shows we have on the channel. PT Isles, Islanders Anxiety, Isles Buzz, My Favorite Islander Game, and Islanders Award Winners. Be sure to check out past episodes of Lighthouse Look Back. Stay safe, everybody. See you next time.